We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13. Hey, it's Flo, and this is my impression of a 1930s gangster using Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Yeah, see? This Name Your Price tool really lays it all out on the table, see? All I had to do was tell her how much I wanted to spend, and it gave me options in one place, see? Makes all of it easy to see, see? It's easy to find insurance that fits your budget with the Name Your Price tool. Only at Progressive.com. I might need glasses so I can see more when I'm doing gangster stuff, see? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm usually pretty excited for podcasts, but I am really excited about this one. It's because you get to talk Bleep. about somebody, right? <laughs> I'm not going to talk shit about anybody, but I might have to teach somebody a lesson. This is the Road to Wire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. Your host, Andrew Laird, Mike Dawson.
Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. The warmest of greetings to everybody. I am in Memphis, Tennessee. It is 115 degrees and it is hot, just like the preseason action that we're seeing in soccer going on right now. With me to discuss it all, as always, is Andrew Laird and a special guest. That's two weeks in a row with a special guest. What's going on here? We have Chris Mozinski of the EFSA Experts League. We just had our auction over the weekend, and he's going to talk about the results of it and give his uh, two cents a little later on. But I do want to get into preseason action. Uh, the International Champions Cup, or whatever they're calling it now, uh, is well underway. A lot of good matches going on. And let's start there. Uh, Andrew, how much stock do you put into preseason performances? So, for example, in the Premier League, Theo Walcott's been doing well. Eden Hazard looked great against Barcelona. Uh, how much stock do you put into those performances in judging your FPL teams to start the season? I don't want to say none, but it's, it's minimal um, because the games don't mean anything. You know, guys are basically just trying to get fit, and so... Certainly results, I think, are worthless, but, you know, it's nice to see some guys playing well, but we kind of talked about this uh, off the pod about how well Victor Moses is playing right now, but I don't think there's any chance that he's, like, playing himself into a starting job, particularly with um, the fact that, you know, some guys were just, were away for Copa America, and, like, that's part of the reason why he's playing now, because they need to figure out if he's worth keeping around, so... You know, I think people can start to overthink how guys do. The same we see in, you know, preseason NFL that, you know, a receiver will go off for like 140 in the in the first or second game and all of a sudden he's a hot item and then he has 140 yards for the entire season. So, you know, it's as long as everybody stays healthy, that's all I'm looking for. And Chris, uh, specifically, uh, I really want to get into, you know, Theo Walcott's been just on fire. And the Arsenal midfield is something that a lot of people are talking about because they're almost all priced the same on the FPL formats. If you had to choose a non-Alexi Sanchez Arsenal midfielder, which one would you choose? We've asked this about, uh, of a few people, but I want to hear your take. I, I think I'm still going to go with Mesut Ozil. Um, I, I worry about the health of some of the other guys. I mean, oh, they haven't really been healthy uh, coming into this season in, in the season's past. Um, they've all got talent. It's It's just a matter of playing time and who's who's actually going to be the one that's out playing for them yeah and for me it's it's about two things you know health risks and playing time risks who are the guys andrew i'll pass this one off to you now who do you feel like has the most solid footing in terms of being in the arsenal 11 like all 11 or just in the midfield in the just just in the midfield just yeah. uh, you know, I'll, I'll throw a few names out there aaron ramsey mesut ozel Santi Cazola, Theo Walcott, if he's even considered a midfielder anymore in uh, FPL circles, uh, Jack Wilshire. I- I'm assuming Jack Wilshire is the lowest person on the totem pole, but uh, up from there. I actually think Wilshire is a little higher than Cazola. I think Cazola is going to be the one to take a backseat early. And so that leaves um, Ozil, Ramsey, and Walcott. Walcott. Well, for two th- for two spots. Yeah, I think they're I think they're more interested in putting Walcott in further up. Like I think they might play. I don't want to call it like two striker set, but they'll change everything when Benzema finally signs. But the uh, those are the guys, and then obviously Coughlin's going to get a start too because they need 
somebody to play defensive midfield. Well, uh, so I think I named six guys for two spots. Next, next to Coakley, because you think they're going to play two defensive midfielders. Yeah, I th uh, Wenger really likes Jack Wilshire uh, when he's healthy, and I think he likes playing him next to whatever defensive midfielder he thinks he has. It used to be Arteta, now it's Coakley. So I think those two, I think Wilshire will get more playing time than people think, and I think it'll be at Cazorla's expense. And uh, and well, let's end on the preseason stuff here because there's not too much news to get to other than the fact that preseason's happening. And Chris, who is one person that you have your eye on in FPL circles going into this season, whether it's from a promoted side, an established side? Who is one guy you think that not a lot of people are talking about but really should be? See, not a lot of people. I, I still think people are dangerously low on Eden Hazard. I, I look for him to just blow up this season. And I... I guess I'm just saying you can't be high enough on him. I, I think you could see him hit almost 20 goals and get 10 assists and put up significant fantasy points this season. So I, I would love to see that as a Chelsea fan. I love to hear it from people. Now, on FPL, in the official game, uh, I think he's right around 50% owned at this point, even though he's the most expensive midfielder. And I think he's 25% captained. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I, I, I. The last readout that I saw, I think that was it. Now, I guess with, people are just as high on him as I am. Then, so, so you know, I'm not saying that, that's not what I'm trying to get at here. What I'm trying to get at, as from a strategy point of view, is it now worthwhile still, because of the volatility factor, to have Eden Hazard? Oh, Andrew, I'll start with you there. Sorry, it's just too many points to give up. Like. I understand this. Uh, I'm looking at it now. He's 54.3%. That's nuts. The you're not going to make up that you know his impact with guys who are you know add up to 11 and a half. So I, I worry that if you're trying to find some like sort of differential, you're leaving too many points on the board. So try to make up, try to find your differential somewhere else. All right. So uh, I have him in my team. So. <laughs> and as do I. I think we're we're part of the fifty four percent. And I'm and judging from what Chris said not too long ago, it's in his he's in his eleven as well. So we got to find three guys he isn't on because there's three here. So yeah, it, it's it's yeah exactly. It's going to be tough to find those guys. Um, however, uh, with Chris here, we do want to get into our EFSA auction draft. Uh, and Chris, I just want you to before we get started onto who we took and what we feel about our teams. Just kind of explain the uh, the league and and what and what it's about to everybody. Yeah. So what we've done is we've got a bunch of writers like you guys uh, from from RotoWire and a bunch of other different websites going kind of head to head. So a little bit more of a traditional American style fantasy soccer going on. Um, and we've paired everybody up with charities. So at the end of the season, we're going to donate a, a bunch of money out to charities based on teams' performances. So I know you guys are both with New York based charities. You guys are excited about that, and we've got. 14 other owners that are just as excited. So it's a really cool thing going on. Yeah, so it's a 16-team league, which is large. Um, it's the largest league that I'm going to participate in, I'll say that, whether it's in soccer or NFL. Um, but I still found that there were still lots of good values towards the end of the draft. And, Andrew, you were around for most of the end of the draft, but I would filled my roster spots by then. So uh, were you surprised with the depth that was still left? A little bit. Um, there were guys who, you know, there were some darts that I think were kind of, um, I don't want to call them big stretches, but like 
Ricky Lambert went late, which is actually one that I didn't think would go just because he's so far down the depth chart. But there were some solid um, some solid starters that still left. Uh, Marco Arnautovic went. Glenn Murray went 204th out of 209. And then the last one, literally the last one, was Victor Moses, who I just uh, crapped on saying he wouldn't start. But I kind of think if he moves, that that could be a great deal. So, yeah, there were a lot of guys in that. It was an auction, so what happens at the end of the auction is just guys go for a buck. And there were a lot of guys, you know, that will certainly provide some value. From the top end, we saw some of the goalkeepers go for, I think the top one went for 30 or 31 bucks out of 200. But then Tim Howard went for $1, which I think is, you know, I don't think you're going to find $30 worth of extra value out of, um, I assumed it was Petr Cech, who, or we go with the team goalkeepers. So I'm not sure Arsenal is going to, um, give back $30 worth of value over Everton. So yeah, there was a, there were guys to be had at that end and, you know, we, it's a keeper league. So you see a few, you know, taking shots at a few guys. I went with Jordan Ibe late because I'm not sure he's going to play much this year, but. Oh, that was such a great uh, pick. Thanks. Oh, I I really, I I had already filled my roster spots when you took Ibe. I felt like you did that because you saw that I had no spots to fill. (laughs) I would fit him. I can assure you I never once looked at your team to decide who I was taking. But Yeah, yeah I, I, I saw a lot of Jordan Ibe last year. He, he's special. He can yeah, play. Yeah, I just it's all playing time with him. I was kind of hoping that they would find a a spot for him at, you know, Norwich or Burnmouth, one of the one of the new new boys, but you know, if he sticks around Liverpool, it sounds like they're going to give him a shot at that Sterling spot. Then again, it's preseason, so who knows what'll really happen, but Yeah. For to have him for a few years, I like that. I did the same thing with Christian Atsu for a dollar. So, hopefully, those guys pay out. I didn't, I didn't particularly love my team by the end, but. Um. And I, this is what I want to. This is what I want to talk. Ask Chris about because I, I don't know if he talked to everybody in the league or has had some kind of conversation. But I feel like most people, and I've said this on Twitter over the weekend. You know, the reason why you put a bunch of experts in the draft is because no one's going to feel great about their team afterwards. Everyone feels like they did all right. You know, they didn't embarrass themselves, but, you know, no one's going to come out of there saying, oh, I absolutely crushed it. I'm finishing first. I know it. Well, there's there's two parts to that, right? You've got 16 guys who know what they're doing. So you don't have the one the one guy who you know is going to end up with people that aren't going to be playing and it ends up watering down some of the other teams and giving more talents to spread around. But the other part of it is, too, you're starting more people. So in typical fan FPL formats, you're used to being able to start five, six studs. Where here, you're probably hoping to get one or two and move on from there. Yeah, and on, on that note, let's get into our lineups here. Um, so surprisingly, I actually did not go with, you know, you know, getting my stars up front. I actually didn't pay more than $25 for anybody. And every and almost every star player, and Andrew can attest with it because he has a guy who went for over fifty dollars. So, uh, Andrew, were you able to find? Um, do, you, do you feel like your fifty plus dollar purchase, and this is where you can start your forum on Benteke, if you will. <laughs> um, do you feel that it, it really detracted from the rest of your lineup, considering you spent over twenty five percent of your budget on one player? The way I looked at it was that there were a number of guys that that should have been in that, in that realm of, of spending up for. And as the draft kind of went along, I started to think I was going to miss out on him. Um, ben Teke, I took, I paid 59 bucks for him. He was the 49th pick and he was my first one. Like there were 48 picks went 
before I got my first one, and a lot of the big hitters left. And I feel like I didn't want to try to go through the season with a bunch of, uh, you know, accumulators as opposed to a guy who could really like I. Everybody knows I'm high on Ben Teke. Like I think he's got like legitimate twenty goal potential, and they're just not that many guys in the league that that can do that. I think he's one of. I thought he was one of them with Aston Villa. I think he can be one with with Liverpool if they play the right way. And so I was willing to to spend up for him. I think the fact that a lot of people knew I was interested in him pushed the price up. Not that I think I overpaid fifty nine. What threw me off was I had I paid at least 25 bucks for four guys. And they're the only guys that I paid more than $5 for. And that's when I started thinking maybe I, maybe I messed this draft up because I should have at least spread around a little more with, with, you know, instead of, you know, paying 28 bucks for Jordan Henderson, maybe I should have passed and tried to get a few more guys in the 10 to 12 range. So I'm not sure. I'm not. Well, it threw me that I have the fewest guy double-digit priced guys in the league. And in contrast to that, I only have three players that I paid less than ten dollars for. Right. So I I did I did what you were talking about in, ter- in terms of spreading out uh, my my salary, and I feel like I have a whole bunch of low, sorry, high high floor guys, but maybe not the highest ceiling guys. Yeah. And Chris, and uh, what I'd like to get get from you here is. What do you think? I mean, in this sport where, like we said, there were some deals to be had at the end, do you feel that Stars and Scrubs is probably a better route because you can get those $1 guys at the end? Or if you spread it out, you'll, especially in this format with the week to uh, a weekly head to head, what do you feel like is a better strategy now that the draft's over? I think your second part there kind of hit the nail right on the head there. It was, you're talking about something that's week to week, right? So, in typical FPL formats, you're talking about if a guy scores 25 goals, it doesn't matter how he accumulates. If he can score them all at one time, you're going to end up with that full point total at the end. Where here, if he scores 25 goals and he scores them over the course of 13 weeks, that means you've got another 30 or 25 weeks there where you're low on point total. So it's almost better to be spread out, in my opinion, in order to get that um, the low floor for a week-to-week basis. You want to make sure that you're putting yourself in the best position going each week head-to-head against your opponent. You, you don't want to be able to bottom out too low. All right, and without further ado, uh, thank you, Chris, for that. Let's get to our teams. And, uh, Andrew, list, uh, list all of your defenders plus what you paid for them. Out, and this is, again, out of 200. So, uh, so t- t- take your percentages li- uh, accordingly. All right. Um, I basically... I don't want to say I punted defenders, but I wasn't willing to pay up for them. Mostly because we saw guys last year who barely went. I had Trippier and Cresswell last year who I think I got each for a dollar or around there. And you dropped Trippier, thank you. And did I re- oh that's terrible. Um, I had I had them all year. Oh, maybe I didn't get Trippier, but I definitely had Cresswell for like a dollar. So anyway, I also um finished the draft with forty dollars. We had were able to carry that over into our fab budgets for the year, which um, which we saw last year didn't necessarily pay off because Di Maria and Falcao came in. People spent big, and then that didn't really work out. Balotelli, too. but Yeah, thanks. Um, <laughs> I don't know what kind of idiot would, would take one of those guys. but um, So Kevin De Bruyne comes in. Maybe I'll try to get a bid or something like that. But anyway, my defenders were uh, Scott Dan, which I paid 3 bucks for. Um, 
Let me see. Eliquin Mangala, who I paid $2 for. I ended up, oh, uh, Antonio Valencia, who's supposed to start. I paid four. And then Nacho Monreal for one. And you and you and just to refresh, just to let everyone know, you only you can start four, but most people will only start three and not use their defend an extra defender in the flex spot. So you only can start three mandatory, and you can you can add a fourth if you wish. Now for me, I like I said, I spread everything out, and my theory, which I shared with Andrew during the draft, because I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> So I was telling Andrew uh, on the side of the draft in, our, in, like a, in a G-chat situation, I was like, I'm not spending more than $12 on any defender. I don't care what his name is. So with that in mind, Cedric, uh, I got so Cedric. So here are the guys I bid Mike up to 12 bucks on. Exactly. <laughs> so I have uh, Cedric from Southampton, who I've pretty much had on every single team of mine uh, in terms of mock drafts and, and FPL, the official game. So I have Cedric at $12. Shocking, right? Uh, I have Daryl Yanmott, who was second in defender assists last season. Uh, and I got him for $12, magic number. And then I probably overpaid for Lauren Koscielny because I nominated him, I believe, at $10. And he sold for $10. So everyone <laughs> everyone kind of backed off on that one for some I can, reason. I considered going 11, but I didn't want him on my team. And I <laughs> so. I thought I'd go 11, so you'd have to go 12. Yeah, and then my the young player that I love, uh, one of the two, they're on the same team on Birdmouth, Simone Francis, who led the championship last season in key passes by defenders. Uh, I just hope he keeps that up. and it's get, Simon, get, right? I'm sorry? It's Simon, right? Simon. Uh, people tell me it's Simone or it's Simon. Really? I mean, it's, like Alf- it's, like Alfredo. it's like Alfredo Simone or Simon in, in Major League Baseball. Say, I, are there a lot of English guys named Simone? You know, I'm not trying to be, <laughs> I, I don't know, if it's on, nationalist, so. ethnist. I, you know, it doesn't have to be an English. Right. Pr- anyway, Saito Barahino is English. What, what are you trying to say? Anyway, Simon Francis, as a young player who has potential, especially at $7, if, if he pans out the way that he looked last year in the championship, that's a pretty good keeper at $7 for a fullback that can get forward. I understand Bermuth is probably not going to get many clean sheets, but, you know, I'm looking for, I mean, at least at defense, I don't think there's going to be a ton of clean sheets anyway. So good luck predicting that. Well, and, uh, and also keep in mind, you do get credit and points for some of the other stats, like correct. assisted shots, shots. So those stats, if you can put them up on a weekly basis, can help propel you up a little bit as well. Correct. I was just about to say that the peripheral stats that you don't necessarily get in ESPN or FPL, they do count in this format. So those guys can get a decent amount of points, even though they don't get clean sheets. Now, with that in mind, Chris, I'm going to throw it over to you. Is there a set that you think stands out there in terms of the defense? As far as? Uh, you know, week to week, you know, over the course of this season in this format, do you feel like there's one that's clearly better than the other? You know, I, I like the ability for Mike's to get some offensive stats there, um, not completely depending on the, the clean sheets to get some points and, and throw in some some assisted shots, maybe in some shots on their own. I mean, last season, Yanmat threw on 35 shots, which adds up to a little bit here and there. So there's a reason he was a top five defender last season. I, I think hell is frozen over because I had a better defensive unit than anybody. I am very well known in the community of someone who does not value defenders very highly so the fact that i actually a spent even more money than andrew did and b someone even considered that my defense core would be better than anybody's to me i feel like is just how 
just how, you know, for me, it's like I wasn't thrilled with my team either because I just didn't like the way that I didn't have a ton of good forwards, and we'll get to that in a second. But I feel like I'm just solid across the board, but I'm not stellar anywhere. Now, uh, let's get to the midfield right now. We're going to follow this same format here. We'll list ours, and we'll, just, and we'll let Chris weigh in on who he thinks is better. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is, it, hey, it works out. Uh, in my midfield, I, my first pick was, uh, was Oscar in the draft. I believe it was after Andrew. So I think, I think you went 49 with Ben Tech and yeah. I had 50 with Oscar or something like that. And those were the first time we got, we got players. So I got Oscar for 20, which I understand has a little bit of risk attached to it because he may get transferred out. Uh, I have Nathan Redmond for 20 as well. And you know, I'm getting at least one Wilfred on my team. So I have Wilfred Saha at $8, and then on my bench, I have Rolando Aarons as a, hopefully, a keeper pick for Newcastle at 7 bucks, and I also have Oscar's handcuff in Willian, where if, if Oscar is transferred out or not playing, Willian's likely to replace him in his spot, so I have Willian at 15 in my midfield, and uh, Andrew, let's, let's, let's hear what you got for your midfielders here. Uh, my first one was I paid 28 bucks for Jordan Henderson, who I'm pretty confident is going to start since he's captain. So Liverpool, I feel like, has a lot of question marks in terms of who's going to start, but he's a pretty um, steady one. So uh, 28 for him, I paid... Then I basically went cheap everywhere else. I paid a dollar. I talked earlier about Jordan Ive, a dollar for Christian Atsu. Um, I spent two bucks on Jesus Navas, and... I think that's my entire midfield. I, I also paid $5 for Gerard Deleofeu, or however you say his name. Gerard Deleofeu, yes. Deleofeu. Jerry, you can just call him Jerry D. It's fine. Who I was fully convinced would be a midfielder and was not. So that actually burned me a little later because I didn't – I took one other forward. We'll get to them in a second, but I wasn't expecting – I'm hoping for a midseason position change, although I don't think it really happens from forward to midfielder much. So uh, actually, just that, just that in general, uh, Chris, did, did, are there mid-season position changes? I, we were discussing this last year, and yes, there there can be. So if if he ends up switching, he will switch with the game. So he'll he'll move to midfield if they move it, and, and that's at the discretion of fan tracks. Gotcha. And now on, you've heard the two midfield squads. Is there one that stands out to you, or is it more like a dead heat? Uh, you know, I, I'm going to give the, the, the advantage here to Andrew. I, I think he's got uh, a little bit more consistency there. I, I like the plays of, of Nathan Redman, right? I, I think he could show some some promise. But I think Wilfried Zaha, I, I'm not sure I'm high on him as a midfielder out of Crystal Palace with some of the stuff that they've done in the offseason. And I think Jordan Henderson's really underrated. I like what, what he has the potential to do at Liverpool, especially with potentially a, a better striker playing ahead of him than uh, Mario Balotelli this season. So when you said you didn't like Wilfred Zaha, what, what Crystal Palace has done, I'm assuming you're referring to uh, the addition of Johan Kabay? Yes, and, and I don't think Zaha, Zaha was already down the pecking order as far as scoring goals, and he just moved even further down. So so you think that Johan Kabay is going to score goals, or you think he's going to set up goals? I, I, I haven't heard the argument that Johan Kabay is going to be a, a, good, a, a great goal scorer at Crystal Palace. I'm, I'm trying to remember. He was scoring goals for Newcastle, wasn't he? I think he was in that seven to nine range, which is it's I think more than Zaha's going to get. Gotcha. Well, I'm not. I, I I I don't see Zaha in the double digit range certainly. So yeah, I just want I just, I just hadn't heard I just hadn't heard that argument about Johan Kabay scoring a bunch of goals. I heard it definitely about him setting up goals, 
But in that in that regard, I was hoping that Yohan Kabai might set up Wilfred Saha with some with some better <laughs> through balls for him to run onto. Uh, but we'll get to more about Crystal Palace in a second because you know I was not dumb with Crystal Palace. Um, so Andrew, your forwards because I'm sure they're gonna, I'm sure people are going to want to pay much more attention to yours than mine. Well, we said I, I paid fifty nine bucks for Benteke, who I believe was the fifth highest price player, sixth, um, and. I'll get into more Benteke later, but I paid $25 for Theo Walcott, which the moment I got him, I regretted. Uh, I mean, I love Walcott. I think he's got great upside, but I'm just not sure he's going to play enough to to give me 25 bucks worth of value. You know, we were saying he's playing really well right now in preseason, but I don't know. The, I hope my 25 is pay, you know pays off, but I'm not all that confident. Um, I mentioned Delafeo earlier for five, and then I bought Callum Wilson from Burnmouth at 27. Uh, there were a few guys in this draft that we'd actually spoken of, uh, that we talked with during that uh, Taga ranking summit, and a few of us are very high on some of the promoted players, which is what prompted uh, Wilson's price to go up. There were a few, there were, uh, one of your guys as well was bid up because. You know, in auctions, it really only takes two guys to give up, you know, bring a price up. And uh, Wilson just happened to be the guy that I ended up with who kind of got bid up. But I felt like I needed uh, the upside. I think he's, you know, he can be in that Danny Ings, Charlie Austin 15 to or 12 to 18 goal range. So we'll see. Yeah, speaking of Charlie Austin, he he's still rumored to be coming to Newcastle, so yeah, that might knows. be one of those that might be one of those uh, first free agents that gets bid up. I'll tell you that. Yeah, actually, I wouldn't. I, you know, we'll talk about that after after we get through my forwards, but we'll talk about right after this. You know, some of those free agents to be some of those guys that transfer in and see. You know, how excited we are to possibly bid on those guys. I don't necessarily want to give how much I'd bid, but <laughs> I'm not going to say that's not going to happen. You're not anyway. going to stop at twelve. I may not. If it's a defender, probably not. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, let's move on to my forwards, as mediocre as they are. I have Diafra Sacco, who I thought was a little bit of a bargain at 19, considering that he's likely to start as long as he's healthy. Uh, I got as my second forward, this is what Andrew was talking about, a guy whose price was bid up because people knew that I was excited, Patrick Bamford, the Chelsea youngster who did so well last year at Middlesbrough, went to Crystal Palace, who I think, Anyone who plays at forward in that team scores 12 to 15 goals at a minimum. There is too much talent surrounding any forward in that, in that system to not score 12 to 15 goals. Once I found out Bamford was going on loan to Crystal Palace, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the gamble that he's going to start over Glenn Murray. He's uh, going to take those goals from Zaha. You That's know where what? those goals are going. You know what? Zaha's going to set him up for him. There you go. But hold on. Even if he does take Zaha's goals, that's fine. I'll just put Aaron's in there or Willian. I'll be fine with that substitution. Yeah. I'm really not that worried about it. Uh, but Patrick Bamford, I was super excited. He's the guy who I paid the most money for in the draft. And wow, yeah. So let me ask you guys this: You've got a guy in Patrick Bamford who's who's clearly shown he can score at the championship level, and you've got a guy in Callum Wilson who's clearly shown he can score at the championship level. Do you? put Bamford ahead of him simply because of the position he's going into at Crystal Palace. It's a little bit more stable than say what's going on at Burnmouth. I don't even uh, here's it's, I think it, that would be true if there wasn't Glenn Murray there who had done well last season. 
that that's a mitigating that's a mitigating risk. So yes, I like his position better if he starts for 38 games there. However, with the presence of Glenn Murray, I'm not sure if that happens. I'm hoping it does, and I spent $25 anticipating that it does. However, there's no guarantee. However, before we get into the more stra- strategic part of it, I do have one more forward. His name is Emmanuel Adebayor. <laughs> I did pay $10 for him. He's had his medical at Aston Villa, reunited with Tim Sherwood, where he played so well with, at, at, with Tottenham. Is there magic? Uh, so we'll, get, we'll finish up with Bamford, then we'll get to Emmanuel Adebayor. Uh, Emmanuel Adebayor. Andrew, do you feel that Glenn Murray mitigates the risk of the better team position that he's playing? Bamford. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think it, it at least caps his upside. I think yeah. Wilson, you know, there's no playing time issue there. And frankly, I think they're just more goal scorers with Crystal Palace. So having, you know, it's not like uh, Bamford's upside is 20 goals. I don't think it is because I don't think he's going to play enough. Maybe he and Murray combine for 20. But I, I find it difficult for Alan Pardew to go a season with uh, how old is Bamford? 20, 21? 21, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't see him going through an entire season trying to improve on how they did last year with a 21-year-old, you know, leading his line all the time. So I just, I think Wilson's going to have the volume to to do enough, whereas, you know, I think Bamford's a little limited. Now, uh, I'm assuming, Chris, you agree with that. It seems to be the prevailing theory, and I'm just the, the guy in the corner who just doesn't agree. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem. Only one guy can score a goal at a time, right? So whoever's out there scoring the goals is going to have the value. And if, if that time or gets split up amongst a couple people, it's going to hurt them quite a bit. Gotcha. And I still think that the reason why Bamford was brought over there is because they want, they want someone to lead the line. And I think he, he's that guy. Regardless, I think if you were to ask me if, if, if who's more talented, Glenn Murray or Patrick Bamford, I'm going to say Patrick Bamford all day, right? But I think Andrew's partially on the right path there with can you trust a 20, 21-year-old to be up front for 38 games in a Premier League season? So what would you put the over-under and how many games Bamford plays? Plays or starts? Starts, excuse me. 20. 20? God, that was quick for you guys to say the same exact thing. It seems as though I, I, I placed my trust in the wrong young player. Anyway, <laughs> let's go to Emmanuel Adebayor. Your thoughts on him moving to Aston Villa? Uh, Chris, sorry. Someone's got to play striker up there now with Benteke gone, right? I mean, Andre Ayew's a good option. Adebayor's a proven option, which gives him probably a little bit more credence. But it'll be interesting to see what they do. I, I've kind of heard that they might go two up front, which if you put both of them up there, who knows? Andre Andre Ayu or um, Jordan Jordan Ayu Jordan Ayu I'm sorry yeah, yeah Andre's he's in uh, new, uh, he's at Swansea yeah, yeah Swansea yeah sorry about that yeah Jordan Ayu up front thank you gotcha so uh, so and so you think there's absolutely zero value to one of my personal favorites uh, uh, Gabrielle Agbon Lahore <laughs> yes <laughs> there was any value before anyway uh, but so chris well, he had he had plenty of opportunities to score last year and you see how well that went for him so. yeah exactly so uh so chris weigh in i'm sure we all know the answer but whose forward line do you like better between the two of us i, I gotta go with the one that's got um christian benteke leading it so sorry about that mike no worries and last but not least we'll spend two seconds on this because it doesn't matter much let's go to our goalkeepers I have the Swansea goalkeepers, and Andrew unfortunately got uh, West Ham. 
He bid two bucks. He thought it would be two. He thought someone would bid three. No one bid. No three. takers. <laughs> <laughs> and we're only allowed to have one. I couldn't make up for it later. Correct. So, um, and so I guess we'll go back to Chris. Uh, which goalkeeper situation do you like better, Swansea or West Ham? Yeah, I'm going to say push. You know, it's tough. No. I, I guess I like I like Swansea a little bit better with the pole lock there, but it's it's tough. I'll, I'll tell you what, though. I know a lot of people don't put a lot of credence into the goalkeeper because they don't score a lot, but you got to look at point differential, and two points can be a lot in a head-to-head game. So especially on a week-to-week basis, if, if you're getting a two-point swing out of your goalkeeper, that could be the difference sometimes. All right, which means that the overall edge, as usual, goes to Andrew Laird. Congratulations. Cue clapping sound effect. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's move on to guys who may come into the Premier League and how excited you'd be to actually bid on them. And we've mentioned them before. Let's get let's just get them out of the way. Kevin De Bruyne. First of all, how likely, Chris, do you feel that he's coming to the Premier League this uh, this transfer window? I, I'm still on fifty fifty. These rumors pop up all the time of, of names like that coming over, and the, you wait and you wait and you wait, and all of a sudden August thirty thirtieth hits, and he's still he's still over in uh, in Germany. So I, I'm still giving it a fifty fifty on this one. All right, and Andrew, it, I'm assuming we're all going to put bids in. And I'm sure your level of excitement on De Bruyne is going to be pretty high, right? I guess. I, the only reason it's high is because I don't think that there are any better players coming in, like. Um, Edinson Cavani's always one that was rumored. Uh, Vidal was supposed to come. Although, How about Kareem Benzema? You just mentioned him earlier. Yeah, I, Benzema's not really coming. If ben, Benzema came, I would, I would absolutely try to get him over De Bruyne. All right, and for me, I would, I agree. I would not spend too much on. De, I would, I'm likely not to get De Bruyne with my bid. That's the way that I'll put it. Yeah, I will bid on him. Don't get me wrong. I'm just not probably going to be the high bidder. With that in mind. Uh, there have been a couple of other rumors that have been thrown around, like Pedro to Manchester United. Is that something that tips the scale for you, Andrew? No, I'll probably, I'll probably stay out of that one, just because um, I think guys coming from La Liga, you know, it's a very different game in England, particularly when he's going into a side that has enough people who can score, and including Rooney up there. I think his upside's a little too limited for me to to get involved in that. All right. And last but not least, Paul Pogba, we keep, I think he's staying at, at Juventus now, but Paul Pogba, if he does, first of all, I'll go with Chris. Do you think he moves? Uh, I, I, do, you, do you put it even at 50, 50? No, I, I'm down to like 10% on that one. Do you feel like he's waiting for a chance to go to Barcelona? Yes. I, I think he's waiting for it to clear up a little bit and to see, a uh, better chance for him to kind of star there and be the next guy for Barcelona. Gotcha. And, uh, Andrew, I'm sure – well, actually, you know what? I'm not so sure in this format. Would you bid a lot of money for Paul Pogba in this format if he does, by chance, come to the Premier League? I knew that question was coming, and I was going to say it depends on the team, but I don't I don't think I would. I don't. How think about he's... your team? Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right, I wouldn't either, to be honest. Yeah. I, I'd be I'd be happy to to lose out with a you know I'd, I'd put in a medium sized bid probably, and I'd be happy to lose out. All right, now uh, Chris, I do just want to get your overall thoughts on how the auction went. Besides, for a lot quicker than last year, uh, you know, was there anything that really surprised you? Um, I I got to be honest, I'm happy all sixteen guys were able to make it because it's it's tough getting all sixteen guys there. So 
I'll say I was surprised by that. Um, but no, not a whole lot. I, I think it kind of went uh, according to plan. There were a couple, a couple of high bids out there. It was a Toby Alderwild went for about 25, stuff like that kind of surprised you. But overall, the, the top guys were still the top price guys at the end of the day. You weren't completely surprised by any of that. Were you surprised by how much goalkeepers went for goalkeeper situations? A little bit, especially after seeing last season how how close a lot of the top of the goalkeepers can be. But you still got to make sure you go out and get a good one because you can't go out and and get negative points out of your goalkeeper one week. Yeah, I mean last year, I mean last year I wasn't able to, I wasn't even in the league when the draft happened. I was added posthumously. I was I was stuck with you know the likes of Casper Schmeichel or the who <laughs> well, you love I, now. exactly who, but I did eventually get to pick up Asmir Begovic, but it didn't pan out. It just uh, it, Stoke was too unpredictable at the end of the season. So did you pick yeah. anyone up off off waiver or Fab? Did you? I picked up a few goaltenders off of Fab. No, I just mean any outfield players? or. Yeah, I picked up Yannick Velasi for 11. That worked oh, out well. I picked up Nasser Chaldi for about the same price. That worked out well. Mm-hmm. I picked up Mario Balotelli for 66. That worked out incredibly <laughs> poorly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's there's definitely going to be people in, around to be picked up. I remember last year I got Harry Kane for a buck. So. Yep. Name dropper. Uh, no, it's fine. Uh, it's a good. It's a good. We're buds now. He he took my my fantasy team to sixth place, so we're best friends. So, <laughs> the classic Spurs finish. <sighs> Can we talk um, about that, Alexis Sanchez? Uh, well, we could. Oh, you know what, Andrew? I would like you to go into. Uh, we talked about it off pod. We talked about it for a couple of days now. <laughs> I know you've been wanting to just say what you've been wanting to say. Please go ahead with your Christian Benteke and. Alexis Sanchez it, monologue. Yeah, it's not even it, – it'll get there, but it's not even specifically about those two players. But Alexis Sanchez was the first player nominated in the auction. And weird things happen with, like, first picks in auctions that people don't know where the market is. And so you're literally setting the market right away. And so Sanchez went for 60 bucks out of 200 and – the, the two responses were, okay, that's the market, or that was a steal. And th- the idea that you can have a steal when only one player has been selected is, is like, absurd to me. Charlie Adam went next for 8 bucks, and so we were like, that didn't help decide if Sanchez was a steal or not. And then Harry Kane went for 49 And so at that point, either both of them are steals or – you know, that's that's where the market was. So there's a, all this talk that Sanchez uh, was a steal when uh, Aguero went for 76. So 16 bucks more, which I don't think there's $16 worth of value between Aguero and, and Sanchez. But the guys that went ahead of, Aguero, of Sanchez were Aguero, Hazard, Rooney, and Costa. And if you look at it that way, I don't I don't see that like there's this great value, uh, you know, steal as well, as people were calling Alexis Sanchez, because only four other guys were more expensive. And yes, I understand there's like a monetary difference in between each one. Costa was only five bucks. So like, I think, you know, either we overpaid for Costa or Sanchez was a bit of a steal. So I eventually bought Benteke at 59. And there's there was some talk from Galen who was saying that um, he thought I overpaid for Benteke at 59 because it was only a dollar less than Sanchez. But if Sanchez was this like great value, then really he should have Sanchez should have been seventy five dollars. If if we're thinking that he's you know either the 
second best, you know, if he's the best player in the game, then he should have been at 77 in terms of like where the rest of the market went. And if that was the case, then Benteke at 59, like that's a steal. <laughs> so like, I, I, I think we all kind of kept throwing out this, like, oh, he's a steal. And throughout the draft, it was like, oh, that's a great pickup. Whether the guy was like, you know, went for three times more than anybody else would have paid for him. So it's like everybody kind of tried to put their analysis in without really thinking about the value of, of the player or the guys like around him, which is something that you don't get in fantasy premier league much. Like you, you, we talk about value because there's a salary cap format, but this is truly like guys bidding against each other. And so when you have 16 people, it only takes two to bid a guy up. Like we saw with Bamford that, you know, it, you don't need all 16 of us to like a guy for the price to go up. It just takes two. And so, uh, you know, I was bid up on Benteke, but I was perfectly fine paying 59 for him. You know, the guys right behind them were Silva, Kane, Memphis Depay, Christian Eriksen, and Fabregas. Like, I would argue Benteke is better than all those guys, or at least has higher upside. And so, you know, whether... They're in the same tier, basically, is what you're right, saying there. Right, right. Um, you know, he went... Uh, Fabregas, Eriksen, and Depay all went for 49, so 10 bucks less. But... For pure upside, I'm not sure those guys will reach Benteke's range. I think Fabregas was went a little high. I don't. I don't think he's going to be as good this year as he was last year. I think Mourinho's going to have to do a better job of kind of limit, limiting his minutes early so that he lasts for the whole year. Which yeah. you know that's when he got most of his production was at the beginning of last year. So um, I don't know. We'll see. But that's my rant about. And just how to everybody just, just to give an extra Benteke. just to give an extra point on Benteke. There's not that many people in the Premier League that have scored 20 goals. Christian Benteke is one of them. Uh, he, he's, one of the, he's one of very few players that scored 20 goals in a season mm-hmm. in the Premier League, which is not easy to do. That's a very tough league to do it. It's also and very over- difficult to do it two years in a row, which is why I stayed away from Harry Kane. Fair point. Now, it just, it's just a number that doesn't happen that often. in terms, Certainly back-to-back years. Gotcha. Now... Uh, I, I just want to leave on this one last point. In order to feel comfortable with your team, in other words, you know, to feel like you don't have to make a lot of changes, do you feel that you're at that point now, or do you feel that there's going to have to be a, you know, a, a slew of midseason changes for your team for you to feel comfortable week to week with your lineup, Andrew? I do at at the start. It's really injuries are what will make or break pretty much anybody's team. Like I don't think anybody is drafted, you know, or bought ten guys that are ter- that'll be terrible. I think it's usually injuries that that end up, uh, you know, deciding what kind of changes you make. And also, you know, it's a head to head league, so it all depends on who you're facing that week. You know, it's it's very possible that you could score the most points in the league and finished fifth because you happen to get everybody on their best week. So, um, you know, you just don't, you don't never know, but I think injuries are what's going to eventually do it, which is why I was so nervous about grabbing Walcott specifically. All right. And I just want to end on one last note for Chris, Chris, how's Darby going to do this season? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm praying this is going to be their year. I'm, I can see it now. They've made some big signings. Uh, they're, they're getting guys who are Premier League ready and, and know what it would take to get to that next level. So I think they're, they're going to have some of that leadership that I think lacked, especially down the end of last season when the wheels were falling off. This is, this is their year, and this, that's coming from a Cleveland fan, so you can put as much credence into that as you want. <laughs> and, they, and they kept Will Hughes. Uh, they still have him. So I, 
I was waiting for someone to buy him and loan him right back, but he's still owned by Darby. He's still wearing the Darby kit, so I couldn't be happier. All right, and on that note, neither can I. I can't be happier either about this Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Chris, for joining us. Andrew, as always, I will catch you next week. For more great content, go to rotowire.com slash soccer. It's all free and it's all for you. They're going to kill the love of my life. Casey! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide. In theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.